Hi everyone, welcome to season three of What's My Frame. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're doing things a little differently to kick the season off and we are flipping the mic. Yes, I'm gonna be in the guest seat for a change. It seemed like it was time to share a little bit more into my journey as an artist and what inspired me to start the podcast. Why creating an accessible and collaborative creative community was so important to me personally. And I also unexpectedly shared some hard lessons that I learned as an actor growing up in hopes of other actors and artists feeling seen and hopefully some of the resources that I found are helpful to them. Without further ado, let's kick off season three and get to the conversation. I think it's important. We set the context for why you picked me to host. I met Miss Bryna Kramer. I still remember you bouncing <laughs> into dance class because probably people do know I have a musical theater background and I love yes. seeing dance. You were my favorite student. <laughs> we were talking about this. Like no one can remember who else. It's was too class. kind. It's too kind. And now you're grown up and poised and lovely <laughs> and an adult and also this like badass podcast host. And yeah, so I thought it would be kind of cool to be like flipping the mic and saying why I do what I do and why I love the podcast and tried to start it. And I couldn't think of anybody else to hand the mic over to. I've always thought so much of you and that is continued as your career has continued so obviously I've known you for a very long time but the whole point of this is obviously let your listeners get to know you so I do kind of want to start from the beginning like how did you get started in acting and dancing because I know you have you've done a lot of both yes I've said this before like it was really it wasn't an option for me to do something else like I've always just really loved creating and performing and I think it took a few years for me to really, really fine tune and realize that what I loved most was making people laugh. Mm -hmm. And like, I think so many people are really hard on themselves and hard on others. And when you can make people laugh, you kind of, you get more of the real person, your, your opposite and yeah. you can put them at ease. And I think there's a little bit of joy you get to spread and sprinkle around when you put people at ease and make people laugh. And so I started in musical theater and dance and church choir and was just basically an only child who was homeschooled, very quirky. And through that, just got in every class and every program and every play. And I have been really, really blessed to have been able to work opposite and under a lot of really incredible people. Um, we probably also, also should mention we are both from Virginia and mm -hmm. from the Southeast and um, it has an incredible arts program and they really support young artists and there's so many grants and opportunities there. And so I am, I'm a product of that. Like I was really blessed to have a lot of those opportunities come my way. And uh, I'm a product of Mr. Spot, Patrick Henry College, his community theater program, and so many people at Roanoke Ballet Theater and North Carolina School of the Arts, and then went up to New York for a while and danced with Broadway Dance Center, and then kind of felt like I had plateaued in a way in my, my dance career. And I had already started choreographing some, but I really knew that dance what I wanted to do dance wasn't going to fulfill independently. And I knew I wanted to act as well. And I had done some small things acting wise on the East Coast. It was way before it was 
the real competitor that it is now to LA. It's so incredible. Like Tyler Perry and all of the folks that have really made the Southeast an option for people that want to have that as their home and that mm-hmm. kind of pace of life and that sense of community. It's incredible that they have that option now. It's it's It wasn't there before. And I don't really know how that would have changed my life if it was and then came to LA. You want to kind of go back. So you mentioned obviously being homeschooled because you were homeschooled your whole life, right? Yeah. It was really a great fit for my personality type because I am very much a self-starter. And I think so much of my personality actually has evolved from that learning dynamic because I, I am very much now the same as I was as a kid. If there's something that I want to learn about, if there's something that I want to expand on or challenge myself with, I'll just start doing that. And it really was a good fit for me. And it did allow a lot of that flexibility and free time because, you know, I finished my classes by early afternoon, if not lunchtime, and then had the rest of the afternoon to pursue creative, like artistic endeavors. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially once I started dancing with the ballet company out of town, it was a huge benefit to not be, you know, expected to be in a classroom at 8 a.m. or waiting until 4.30 before I could even leave to go to class, things like that. It did uh, It did open up a lot of doors. I will say this to anyone that sees a child that's homeschooled or tutored like a young actor, never ask them, can you do that? Or never devalue them just doing something, a different path. Because it took me years as an adult to figure out that like the space that I took up and where I was in my life was okay because there was like a hiccup in my brain from being a child before homeschooling was so mainstream yeah that I thought like I was doing something wrong it was like the subconscious seed that got planted that I was somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be a lot of people I think they kind of like gradually like I can I literally can pinpoint the moment I knew this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life like I can pinpoint the moment it happened what was that moment it was, it was community theater. It was with Mr. Spa, who is sadly no longer with us, but he was absolutely incredible. Uh, he was a teacher of mine for many years back home. And we were doing, as any musical theater person would know, we were doing a production of A Christmas Carol. We had the two table setups. We were in shadow, but we were still supposed to be like pantomiming. And I had done all of my research and I was just acting like a child. And I was like bebopping my head and I like, elbowed my brother and I was doing these things just being a child at the dinner table and I realized that I kept hearing laughter I could see they were all looking and laughing at our table Mm -hmm. and when I heard that laughter from stage and I realized I I have this gift that I can use and it makes people laugh and that feels absolutely euphoric that was that was kind of it So I know when you absolutely moved to LA, you were still doing dancing. Are you still doing a lot of dancing now or have you kind of moved away? I still love to choreograph and I still, I think, you know, that's something that's really been eye-opening to me to work with the podcast and hear other people's stories, you know, reflected back. It's like everything, everything is a step in the right direction as long as you keep your mindset and your finances right. Everything that you do works towards an ultimate goal in the entertainment industry right like I still get like my first my very first national commercial which covered my rent for many many months in LA it was a dance role now this is also very telling I don't think I've ever talked about this I went in as a dancer it was a KFC commercial with Reba McIntyre god bless her god sense (laughs) of humor 
like some of my first jobs were like like hints of southern yeah Um, and I went in for a dance role I got a call back I went back to the call back there were all of these very intense LA dancers which the dance community in LA is very intense and um then there was me and if anyone doesn't know there's dance agencies and those Mm -hmm. are normally the people that fill those kind of roles and then there was me who happened to just be there because I had a dance background and like a strong dance resume and an agent commercial agent that understood I danced so I didn't get the dance role because ultimately me and one other guy, we bumped into each other in the dance callback in front of everyone. And I did the cardinal no-no. And I said, I am so sorry. (laughs) And I made a joke and they laughed in the room. And it was like the director and the producer and the client at agency and like all these people. And just like, I could feel the eyes of anger from the other dancers in the room. And I was like, oh, Lord. Um, And this was several years ago. And I just, I was like, fuck it. And so I just continued to tell jokes. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Thank you so much for your time. Peace (laughs) out. Uh, And left. And I told my agent, because I didn't realize how much of a cardinal no-no it was. I told my commercial agent. She lost her mind. And then three days later, I booked another role that ultimately did not get cut. Yes, I do still dance but it's more so that dance kind of helps me get into the door on some things. So you were talking about earlier, you went to LA and you were so starry eyed and like, had you known what you know now, like you may not have actually gone. And I'm something I've been thinking about is like, obviously you were creating your own content in the industry, like for a long time, you know, back before it was even now, like now it's like the cool thing to do, but like even back before it was kind of the cool thing. And I guess I'm curious, like, did you always see yourself creating your own content or was it more because you kept like getting knocked down and you were just like, you know what, if I'm not getting cast in the type of things I want to be cast in, like, I'm just going to create it myself. No, I did not set out to do that. I think I learned, I wouldn't change a thing because I learned so much writing um, for both the Lara show and millennial complex. Like I learned so, so much and I still write. I had a really hard time getting representation. If I totaled up, I could probably buy a house. The amount of money that I spent on mailers of headshots and resumes to agents and casting directors and just trying to like go in the door the conventional way um, and trying to also be what I thought people wanted which was a huge mistake. Um, But then ultimately, I don't remember how it really started, but uh, I I decided to start writing a web series and then put it on YouTube and then some incredible doors opened to get it on Amazon. And it was one of those things where I've been really blessed that some incredible doors have opened for me just because of being at the right place at the right time and having really incredible people around me. Anybody that has the opportunity should create their own content because you you earn you learn an empathy and respect for all of the people that work on the collective painting Mm -hmm. it's not just actors it's not just anyone it's like it doesn't work unless everybody's loving it and everybody's working obviously with the Laura show that was two seasons right yes correct you wore all the hats I would love for you to talk just about some of the challenges that came with like doing it all back you know oh SAG after paperwork was one of the big ones, which is really, yeah, it's like filing collectively five years of taxes all at once. If you don't know what you're doing, um, they have streamlined and improved the process 
greatly. I am a huge supporter of the union. And so that was one of the things that was very daunting for me because my brain, 98% of it is creative. Yeah. 2% is over here on like an Excel spreadsheet and she is kicking and screaming the whole way of that 2%. So I don't enjoy doing paperwork. Uh, so that was, that was a challenge for sure was doing that. But again, in the end, it was great because it taught me a lot. And the second mm-hmm. season, it was a lot easier. So it's always yeah. the first time it's like, you know, yeah, it's more uphill. Um, I think learning, it helped me learn a lot about myself as an actor, casting other actors, both casting friends, as well as casting, you know, we put out breakdowns, um, mm-hmm. contacted some gosh, it was almost pre the days of people saying influencer, but like, like social media personality, yeah. some actors that, you know, had more of a social media presence that came on as like guest stars and stuff like that. But, you know, that show got me the credits to be able to join the guild, the television Academy, which was really cool. And like, that was the first year that I got to go to the Emmys. And, you know, there's, there were so many things that it opened the, the negatives and the hard, the hard parts while hard were we're worthwhile in the end. While we're still kind of on content creation thing before I ask yeah. you about some other things, I do want to talk about the podcast, obviously. And I'm curious, like, what made you want to start your podcast? I love people. Like, I love really good people. I think creatives are very much, we're a community. And we, of course, there's egos. And of course, there's those few people that will kind of spoil it for everybody at times. Of course, yeah. But the majority are good. And that's something that I found around 2016 was really when I hit my groove in LA and I found like my people Mm -hmm. and I knew what a difference it made to how I felt and how I felt in my work and in my preparation and just all of it just made more sense having that community around me. And I had been toying around with the idea of doing a podcast for a while and I didn't know where to start, and I didn't know whether it would actually do anything, and you talk yourself out of it with age, you're you're like, I don't want to be embarrassed, and I don't know how, and you know, sometimes you get in your head, and you also, you get really busy, and there's a difference between being busy and being productive, and so then COVID happened, (laughs) and everything just went absolute sideways, and it was the first time in my entire adult life Actually, I started working as a nanny even before I was an adult. So it was the first time in a bazillion years that I had no work and I did not know what to do with myself. And I was like, well, if I'm feeling this lost, other people are feeling this lost and disconnected and we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, this is like early COVID when we weren't wearing masks, but we were wearing two pairs of gloves to go to the grocery store because we were just real confused. And we were like hoarding things. It was, you know, scary olden days of COVID. Yeah. Put together like a one page PDF and I sent it to every casting director, writer, director, actor that I had ever crossed paths with. And I have a notebook of everybody that I've worked with that I really adored. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sent it out to them and I got almost a hundred percent response rate. I was like, if I did this, would you be willing to give me some of your time? and try to create something and we'll just see what happens and got almost a hundred percent response rate of like, yes, I'll, I'll show up. 
I believe that everyone should have access to education. It should not be if I pay sky high rent in LA or New York, I get to meet these casting directors. Or if I can pay this amount of money, I can go to this workshop. Or if I can pay this much, I can go to this intensive. Or if I luck out and do this, like I think everyone should have an even playing field. Um, and that was what I was trying to create. And I've gotten pretty close to that. Like, of course, there's always room for improvement, but it's something that I'm really proud of. And when I hear from people that it it helped them or it illuminated some area that they didn't know about, that's really special. Do you have like a most memorable interview that you've done or like one that you're really proud of? Oh, gosh. That's one thing that's been a real blessing is like everybody that's been on the show has either been someone that I personally reached out and asked or was someone that I so respected and admired and asked for their recommendations and they connected and expanded their creative community, opened that up to us. So there's no one that I'm like, oof, not that episode. Like I really do honestly love all of them. Um, I mean, we had Jane Jenkins on. I was awestruck listening to her talk and she was she was introduced to be a casting director, Jeremy Gordon, who was so delightful. And he introduced additional people for season two. And um, my acting mentor was on the show and we have one of the sag after staffers that's gonna be on this season who is an absolute delight. And I've gotten to work with um, on a national committee for sag after over the last few years and have just become friends with him. and. I don't know, like, I really, I want to amplify awesome, badass voices that are not the ones you always hear. Like, there's a reason that we've only had a couple of actors on the show, because we talk enough. <laughs> it's fine. No one cares. Like, let's, let's talk to the other people. You just mentioned, obviously, your acting mentor, Jason George. You and I have talked about this a little bit, too, about just, like, mentorship and how, obviously, it's important to have people who would support and believe in you, but it's I think it's also equally important to have people in the industry who you can go to for advice and, like, really learn from and really lean on because, I, from what I know about the entertainment industry, like, it's really hard, and I can only imagine trying to navigate it yourself let alone not having someone else to lean on so I know Jason George has been that for you and I just I would love for you to tell the story about like I think you've mentioned it on when he was on your podcast but like how you met Jason and got involved in his acting classes so remember I mentioned 2016 that was that was really and I I adore my class family I'm super protective of it um but my my acting class I will I will die on that hill but that is the best acting class in all of LA because of the people in it, both Jason and the other other students. But yeah, so I met Jason through SAG-AFTRA. Um, I, my Southern roots did me proud. I volunteered uh, <laughs> to help. Yes, anyone that's not from the South will not understand, but like a woman in the South, we volunteer. We signed that. It's sheet. mandatory. It is mandatory. <laughs> and you, you show up and you smile. So I was doing, uh, I was volunteering to help check in at an event with SAG-AFTRA and um, my, <laughs> I don't want to start crying. Um, my grandfather passed away that afternoon and there was really no thought of not being there because I made a volunteer commitment. So I was crying in my car in the parking lot of AFI um, like 10 minutes before I was supposed to be in there and then like went in, got at my little post, my clipboard and all this kind of stuff. So he spoke that evening um, and it was a panel discussion. It was six acting teachers. Jason told a story about his daughter, Jazzy, 
And there was just something about the way that he viewed the industry, he viewed the craft, he viewed his peers and how he just viewed life as an artist. And I went up and spoke to him and that was, it was July 15th, but I don't remember what day, I think it was a Friday evening. Um, and he taught a class on Monday night and I asked him, I was like, Hey, could like, what's like your assistant or like, how, how do I learn more about your class? And he's like, Oh, well, come Monday. I have literally been at that class every Monday. Don't know because you send so much stuff out into the void, be it auditions or submissions or whatever. You send so much out and never hear anything back. And to have someone that you trust and respect that will sit in a room with you in class until you are confident and you feel good about it and you trust their opinion and you trust that they are objective and they're not telling you what you want to hear and they're also not tearing you down to build you up, which is a complete bullshit tactic of teaching acting which I I rail against and Jason has never done that you don't even understand the power you have as an actor until you you get to experience working with someone like that it like complete it's like you just relearn acting all over again and you're like I can feel good about myself I can feel empowered yeah. and confident in my choices and like at ease in them and you know, we all kind of joke about that we hear Jason's voice in our head. I still, I still, to this day, all these years after starting his class, I still prep every single set of audition sites the exact same way that I started within the first six months of class. Cause there were like things he said, and I started formulating how I, I do my audition sides. And I still, I do them that way to this day. And I don't foresee ever changing that. Yeah. You were just talking about obviously like hearing Jason in your head. And I'm curious, like what's the best industry related lesson you've learned from him? And like, what's just the best like life lesson you've learned from him? Oh gosh. We joke that there's so many Jason isms. I was listening to your podcast with him like earlier in the week. And I heard, I was like enjoying that like whole section. I'd listened to it last year when it came out, but I was like re-listening to it this week. Yeah. We, yeah. When you listen to that episode, you can tell that we we enjoy giving each other a hard time I think the the biggest thing that he taught me like professionally or creatively Mm -hmm. was that it was okay to be me and that goes back to like what I was saying like I came into this thinking and some of it was from the dance background that you were supposed to be a certain way and you were supposed to you were supposed to mind read and know what they wanted and be that versus be you and your role won't pass you by. And I had a lot of criticism. I know I'm an acquired taste, both personally and professionally. I'm aware of that now. Um, but I think having the validation from Jason of like, it's okay. Like I, I had an acting teacher one time criticize me in front of a class and say that I was a Christmas tree with tacky decorations in a front yard surrounded by pink flamingos. Wow. It was so specific. And like those kind of things, they stick with you. Yeah. And it was because I was like really broad in my comedy and it took a really long time to be like, you know what? I don't, I don't accept that. Like, and and I don't care that that's what you think of me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would say I don't care. It still hurts. It still stings. And it's like, you know, that's, that's not how if you're if you're acting from a an honest and like really pure place you take a lot of that criticism very very personally it's not about the character it's about you 
Mm-hmm. And um, I think Jason just kind of validating that, you know, you are quirky, virgin on weird, but that's okay. That's who you are. And like your roles will come and they 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 did start coming at a point and that was that was huge and just the difference of that and then career wise it would definitely as much as much as I like have a love-hate relationship with it at times it was getting involved in the union um he was the one that got me involved in uh, volunteering and running for SAG after office and it really opened my eyes to the business and trying to help and educate and empower others because um, young people, they get very passionate about voting in the midterm and the actual elections, which is incredible. But it's also important to use that same passionate outlook on your finances if this is what you actually want to do and not like yeah you're like an egotistical thing that's actually kind of where I wanted to transition was like your SAG after involvement yeah so he was the one he he mentioned it to me that I I should come to a meeting he got me involved with Unite for Strength because for anyone who doesn't know there are basically two political parties within the union and there's not a lot of young people um, there's especially not a lot of young, quirky, weird people uh, that are on these committees or running. And um, for some reason, he thought that I could, I don't know, get in the mix of that. Uh, and I, I was fascinated by all that they were talking about. Everyone was extremely welcoming and warm to me um, when I started attending Unite for Strength meetings and learning more. And then I ran for office and was for the first time in my life trying to like run a campaign and like sending out emails like I appreciate your vote and felt so strange because I had no political aspirations whatsoever um and then was very very blessed to actually win the seat that I was running for um and then that was a segue into now holding seats on three national committees um which I'm one of the younger members, um, one committee specifically, I am the youngest by far, but um, it, it was such such a blessing to kind of like shake things up. And um, I don't know, talk from a different perspective. It's really important for young people to get involved and use their voice and educate themselves because if it's just people that are wanting to look at the industry from their personal experience that perhaps is not the most current version, you cannot play a game of any sport in an idealized way. Like you can have all of these like plays and game plans, but at the end of the day, you got to play the ball where it lies. Industry is changing at such a rapid pace. And who are the like, like monstrous ones throwing around all this money? It's the streaming platforms. Who are the ones that are campaigning, spending tons of money, winning awards? The streaming streaming platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can't look at it and be like, well, this is what happened when I was on MASH. Cool. That's great. You could also buy a house for like a basket of raspberries back then. That's not what's happening currently. Yeah. What would you tell someone who's like in the union in SAG after, but like isn't involved, but like would like to get involved? Like what would you tell them? That's an excellent question. This is something I tell people often. Educate yourself. Get involved. Ask, can I please? volunteer and I know it sounds crazy but you get hooked 
because you you start meeting these people and you I adore our like staffers and that's again like there's this contentious energy about we have volunteer positions which like mine and the national committees and the local committees are all volunteer positions and then there are staffers right we need staffers should actors be handling everyone's money and commission checks? Absolutely not. We need people with <laughs> college educations. We need staffers that have no interest in getting on a stage. We need them. They're amazing. They're incredible. Get involved and you will feel such a sense of pride in what you helped accomplish. This is a big thing for me is because I still, I don't think I feel fully settled. Like I will like see the Zoom with all the faces and there's all of these like distinguished faces and they're mature and they look very settled and they're in their home and then there's me (laughs) it's like you know before the zoom starts telling jokes and you know have flowers in the background and like feel I kind of feel like I'm like slipped in and like no one really knows why I'm here but like also doesn't want to tell me to leave and so I think I still feel a little a little nervous and uneasy even talking about it but I would say you know it's okay to be uncomfortable in it and just educate yourself because there's something really rewarding in knowing that you helped others and the union's there to protect us and we're, we're much stronger together more and more I'm seeing just actors I follow on Instagram like I feel like I've seen that shift it's starting to become more and more and I start wrapping things up I it's funny that a while ago towards the beginning you were talking about like success uh, because something actually I had on my list of questions to ask you is like how you define a successful career because I think a lot of people think that if you're not like acting in like the biggest blockbuster movies or if your face isn't on like 20 billboards down LA like then you failed or like you're not able to pay your rent or you're not able to do all these things and so I'm just curious like for you like what is what defines a successful career is why I asked you to do this Brian like these are some good questions also full disclosure I I didn't tell her a single question to ask I just said this is how we open and close an episode and I was like do you think gosh what is success I haven't I haven't achieved it I'll be the first to admit that I haven't I haven't reached my definition of success um I think it is it's being proud of your work which I am proud of what I've done but I want to be proud of more um there is again, going back to Jason, he, he taught us early on, there's something, there's a divine dissatisfaction that no matter how many auditions you get, no matter how many bookings you get, you're always going to want more. And you have to keep that in proportion to life balance, which I'm not great at. I'm working on that. Um, but I'm proud of the people I've worked with and I'm proud of the things that I've done. There's nothing that I'm like, Oh, let's not talk about that one role. Yeah. Uh, And I'm also, I'm just, I'm really, I think success is also like knowing who you have around you and who is also working alongside you on your career. That's a huge, huge uh, milestone of success. Um, And that's one thing that I can say with confidence. I have that now. I have incredible people around me and I love my team and I know that they, they get me and they like me. Like, genuinely like we're like we're friends like right and you sometimes I think as an actor you have this disconnect between your representation and you I'm like it's not that like I my LA agent I adore her she's the best my southeast agents my commercial agent like I they're awesome 
like they're just awesome people outside of being my agents and I'm also just really grateful for what they do towards my career too yeah yeah I'm curious do you think success has to be fulfilling I think pre-COVID I would have said yes I think my definition of success and also just contentment in life has changed a lot in the last two years. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of really dramatic and very drastic changes in my life in COVID and everyone, everyone, the video of life is the same as it was in February of 2020. I don't know what bubble you were in, but you know, God bless, join us eventually. Everybody's been through hard knocks. I'm I'm not trying to say anything otherwise, but it, it definitely changed my perspective of being at peace is successful, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And just, I'm a very stressful person. Like I run at a very high, like hummingbird frequency. Um, and that's something that I've had to work on. And like, not always like more is not always more. Yeah. Like breathe and enjoy it. And enjoy the wins like currently right now like I have two things coming out I'm really excited about but I'm like how do I use that potential and that that is like you're talking more 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 you just said that you don't think you've had what you say is like a successful career but do you feel like you've had a fulfilling career so far oh yeah I love what I do I love it I love the people around me I love I love what I've gotten to do. Like I was just talking to the writer director of surviving an active shooter that I did gosh, years ago Mm -hmm. and um, Vance Controlla and, you know, just talking to him and talking to him about his kids and I haven't talked to Vance in ages, but like, I actually, I was redoing my office and I wanted to get a poster from the, the movie and, you know, I definitely am proud of what I've done. When did 17 again come out? I just remember you posting a picture with him. Like that was like the coolest thing. I thought you were the coolest thing because you had met Zac Efron and like got to work. Like I thought you were the coolest thing. And I've always just been super proud of you. I'm aware that there's aspects of the job that are cool. But I'm also very aware that I am not cool. And I never want to change my mind about that. I am not cool. I just am very lucky to do something that's cool and people get geeked out over but I I have always said that I was never going to be a person that my mom or my grandmother was not proud to introduce to other people like I'm never gonna be an asshole so that's very nice to say but I'm not cool I just I get to do some cool stuff which is great but everybody does obviously once you get into LA and I you know I'm sure you had a little bit of this in New York too but like obviously one of the big things you have to do is like sign an agent I would love for you to talk about that and like how important good representation that's the key is good representation I'm like I said I'm, I'm very very blessed to have people around me that I adore and respect and I've been with my southeast agents for years and years um and then I've been with my LA agents for the last few but um I have also had representation that I have left and I have also been dropped by representation um and there is one specifically, I was, I was dropped by my agency in February of 2020. Uh, and then everything went into an utter tailspin with COVID. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously like production and everything was shut down, but I had been with that agency for a year and it was not a healthy working relationship. And 
that is probably one of the hardest things to my self-esteem and my confidence mm-hmm. of what I'm doing. And it was the only time, like, remember we talked about, like, I, I knew like, this was like the only thing for me to do. I was, yeah, I was never getting an office job. Like that was just not in the car after being dropped by that agency. That was the one time where I was just in tears. And I was like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this is it. Like, I, I don't know that I can do this. I don't think that this is for me. I don't think this town likes me. Um, and I was in that for a little while. And that was, I probably should have mentioned this when you asked why I started the podcast. I think I needed to fall back in love with the creative process and the people, the good people. Yeah. Um, so if anyone is listening and is contemplating if like they're not with the right agent or not with the right people around them and guiding their career and presenting them um, that was something very evident to me from that meeting before I was before I was dropped Um, because I went in for a meeting with good intentions to just have a conversation of like hey these are my goals and like you know this was yeah and like you could go and meet face to face with people and stuff and uh, it was not only was it not how I wanted to be talked to and treated, it wasn't how I wanted anyone to talk to somebody that was kind enough to give me a job. I didn't want that representing me. Um, Right. But, and I should have, key thing is, I should have had the confidence in myself to say, I don't, I don't want to work with this, but there's a scarcity yeah. mindset that actors have. And it was like, no, I should change. I should bend to what they want. I should go out for these roles. I should do this because they're the agent and I'm lucky enough to have an agent ultimately still got dropped. And that for anybody who hasn't been through it is like getting dumped publicly. It's just, ugh, it feels awful. And I can say now it is hands down one of the best things that happened to me. Yeah. And it took, it took, took a couple of years. It has only been in the last few months that I was like, you know, I am so glad that happened. And I like had that thought, like on, on one of my hot girl walks. And I was like, cause like, you know, that's where the good ideas come. And I was like, wow, if you had told me, then you're going to be thankful this happened. And there's so much better. I would have like been crying one and said, no, no, yeah, on. I'm never going to get that back. And there's just like such a hopelessness. And I could not adore my agents more now. And I would not have been looking for them if I had not like it's been just dropped. All, yeah. Yeah. It all works out and so much happier and so much healthier for having people that that I have a, a good open line of communication with. And I booked a project within the first six months of being with my current agent, uh, Renew with Bamos. And I am, I'm forever grateful. Like yeah. I told her, I was like, you stuck with me. Don't let the scarcity mindset make you stay in something that you should not be in or is not healthy for you. Going through the podcast and starting the podcast kind of helped you refall in love with acting in the industry again after that tough experience. Do you would you say like you love it now more than ever? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're glad you like ultimately fell back in love with it? Oh yeah. Cause like imagine me in a cubicle again. Like, <laughs> huh, what what would happen? And also I would still be so like bummed out because I wouldn't have like pushed through it. Like if yeah. you leave on a low note. That's always going to be the last taste in your mouth. 
Mm-hmm. So I was so glad that I continued. And honestly, like, I don't even really think about that now because I do right. like so much. I don't think about it of like, I needed to be reminded of the people that also loved it and getting mm-hmm. to sit and talk to these people. You know, I started the podcast because I wanted to do something and create something for like a community. I cannot tell you how many times I have hopped on Zoom for a podcast and kind of like tried to amp myself up because I was having a rough day or, you know, I really wanted to hear back on that audition or was kind of like in a funk or whatever. Cause like, you know, it's been a little bit of a slog the last couple of years Yeah, outside in the world. And I, without fail, will always feel better. And like, I hope somebody else feels that sense of like comfort and community and like they feel yeah. a better mood afterwards. So that's the goal, hopefully. That's awesome. So I know you end every one of your podcasts with this specific question. So I want to ask you, what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Trust your own judgment. I like purposely like didn't think of it because I was like, I'm just going to see what the day feels like. <laughs> um, I've always been really strong willed, but I think some of that strong will came from insecurity, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think especially women um you need to just trust your own voice and never apologize for taking up space you you if you're there you have a right to be there 